There we go. Stressed. We live in a world that is stressed out. And all of this snow is probably stressing many of you out, right? Say amen. Um, needless to say, our family's life over the last several weeks has been a little stressful. Over the last 20-odd days, we've been up to Mercy Hospital just about every day. But I've got to tell you that God is faithful. And um, again, just uh, um, thank you for all of your prayers, for all of your support. Those of you who have offered gifts of food and, and dinners and things like that, we, we thank you for, uh, for all of that. Um, but life has been difficult, to say the least, for us. We've, we've had our moments, but I've also tried to live by the principles by which I've been preaching about as of late. Getting into God's Word, believing God's Word, and then worshiping from God's Word. And it's this theme that I want to carry on today and, and within the next couple of weeks. Believing in God's Word worshiping from God's Word and getting into God's Word. Stress. Wouldn't it be nice that every time we feel stressed that we would focus on the word stressed but spell backwards? Does anybody know what that is? Ah, desserts. Wouldn't that be nice, the way to handle a stress? <laughs> or how about this? Better yet, with all the stress that we've been having, how about if we focus on something like this? Ah. Maybe you can identify with some stress in your life today. We all face stress in numerous ways and in varying levels. Does it seem like your smartphone battery is always running low? <laughs> You're always having to plug in your phone. Maybe your body's battery is running low. There seems to be always something to do. Not to mention the stress at work and then the normal day-to-day -day schedule. There's going to the grocery store and keeping up on the bills and balancing the checkbook and taking kids all over Tarnation. By the way, I still have never found Tarnation, but that's where I'm running my kids to all the time. Laundry and house cleaning and dishes and cooking dinner and then cleaning up after dinner and meetings at church and inside and outside of church and it never ends. Research indicates that the higher percentage of heart attacks come on Monday morning from 4 a.m. to 10 a.m. Anytime that our favorite sports team plays, it brings a higher risk of heart attack. Migraine headaches come more on Monday mornings than any other day of the week. Research suggests that going back to work or school can trigger these headaches. Right, kids? And kids say amen to that. Websites can give advice on how to relieve stress in our lives, but what's funny is some of the stress-relieving suggestions seem to create more stress. Get more sleep. Yeah, right. Exercise more. Where do we find the time to exercise more? Well, you just need to maintain and prioritize a daily calendar and trying to figure out my calendar is what gives me stress to begin with. Oh, how we busy ourselves with so many things. 
Technology is advancing at such a rapid pace that it's mind-boggling. And devices that are created to make our life simpler, in many cases, end up making our lives more stressful. Today, I want to suggest a new way of relieving stress in our lives. I want to suggest that we live life like Mary. Live life like Mary. If you want to follow in your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Our story today deals with two sisters. You probably know who they are, Mary Mary and Martha. Now, Martha, the sister, would fit right into our society today. She would have been one of those people you would see driving down the road with a van load full of kids. In one hand, she has her cell phone. In the other hand, she has a caramel macchiato or whatever it's called. Caramel macchiato, is that what it's called? From Starbucks, and who knows how she's steering with uh, the steering down the road. But let's read Luke chapter 10, verse 38. It says this, And Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem. They came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister, Mary, sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. A familiar passage, many of you know. In our story, Mary and Martha and their brother, you may have heard of him. He's a guy who's kind of famous, named Lazarus. Their brother, they hear that the great prophet Jesus and his disciples are in town. And this family already has a relationship with Jesus. And so it comes as no surprise as they want to stop by at the house and visit with Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Well, actually, the only person that's surprised, I believe, would be Martha. Why? Well, I can just see it. Her house is a mess. She's not ready for guests. Or should I say, from her response, we can tell that she is nowhere near ready for guests. We can all identify with that, right? Someone unexpectedly shows up at the house and you're not ready. Someone comes and then they bring a large group with them. That's just even worse, isn't it? I can just see it now. Martha's scrambling around the house. She looks in the fridge to see if there's any meat and has to check the date to make sure that the meat's not out of date and making sure that there's no mold on the bread. Or what about chips? She's got a couple chips, but she has nothing to drink. And then the house is just an absolute mess. And then the bathrooms, holy cow, they're a wreck. They're filthy. And I'm not ready to have guests right now. I'm not ready to have Jesus come. She can't have Jesus see in her house like this, and she is doing her best, but she feels her stress level just going through the thatch roof, perhaps. Not only is she stressed out, she's becoming angrier and angrier at her sister, Mary. Mary, 
Perhaps Mary has always been a, just a little bit different. She's always had her head in the clouds, always daydreaming about things that no one can relate to. Always has had a kind heart, but she tends to be impractical. Always looking at life unrealistically, kind of that glass half full type perspective. And where exactly is Mary while Martha is going crazy trying to get everything ready? Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. Staring up at Jesus, hanging on his every word. And Martha is getting hotter and hotter by the minute. Until she can stand it no longer and she has to say something. And in essence, Martha says, Jesus, can you please tell my sister to stop being lazy, get up off the floor and come help me. Now Jesus is about ready to say something to Martha that I believe stuns her. I also believe would turn her world upside down. And let me tell you this morning that as he gets ready to say this, Jesus is getting ready to say something to you and I this morning that just might turn our world upside down. Let's read what he says in verses 41 and 42. But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it. And it will not be taken away from her. You see, those things that Martha thought were so important, those things that Martha considers imperative in life, those things that Martha feels are crucial and essential, essential, those day-to-day chores and to-do lists which causes stress and high blood pressure, Jesus tells her that she needs to drop it all and just leave it alone. Those things are not really as important as she thinks. They are. And to you and I, Jesus is saying the same thing, isn't he? All the things in life that we busy ourselves with, that we get stressed out over, our to-do list, that's me. All these things that just absolutely must get done, all of it needs to take a back seat. We need to purposely, now hear me out, we need to purposely build our schedules to have merry times in our life. Times when we just sit at the feet of Jesus. Did you hear that word I use, purposely? In our society today, uh, where we're anything but stressless, carefree, and not busy, it's everything but that. We have to purposely have those times, church. Jesus tells Martha, and he's telling you and me this morning, that Mary is doing the better thing. That what Mary is doing is extremely important, is extremely significant, is of great worth and value, is much more important than what Martha is doing And what is Martha, or what is Mary doing? She's worshiping Jesus. See, there's that word again. It comes back around to worshiping Jesus. 
you know, what we could do is just look at that scripture verse. And I'm not, I just sometimes I just pick out a name that first comes to me. Could be, but the Lord said, Brock, Brock, you're worried and upset over many details. Amos, you're worried about many, many details. Sean, relax. Jeannie, Luis, Steve, you're worried about a lot of things in life that you ought not be worried about. We could put our name there. My child, you're running yourself ragged with things that ultimately do not matter. You're worried and stressed out over things of earthly significance. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim. We need to have those moments in life when the things of earth just kind of take a back seat. And Jesus is saying to Martha, and he's saying to you and me, I want you to live like Mary. Stop, slow down, and worship me. Hmm. Sounds nice, doesn't it? Just picture both women. One is frazzled, scurrying around the house, and the other one is just at peace and rest. With this back, Drop in mind. Turn to John chapter 12 now. Turn to John chapter 12. By this time in our story in John chapter 12, Jesus and the 12 have seemingly developed a really good relationship with this family. In the previous chapter, in John chapter 11, Jesus has just raised Lazarus back from the dead. And here in chapter 12, we have another family get-together, so to speak. And we can see some familiar things in this story. Let's read verses 1 through 8. Six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. And a dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor, and Martha served. There she is again, huh? Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, That perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor, but he was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. But Jesus replied, Leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Going back to Martha, what is she doing? She's doing what she has always done. She's serving. But in this case, we're not told that she's necessarily doing anything wrong. As a matter of fact, I believe that Martha very well probably possessed the gift of hospitality. 
You see, we all have gifts that we possess, all have gifts that we need to give to the church and the kingdom of God. And I believe that Martha was blessed with the gift of hospitality. That's not a bad thing. My mom has that. Um, we always tease mom about being a Martha, so to speak. Um, if you were to go to mom and dad's house right now, um, she'd be scurrying around, picking up the house and making sure things weren't out of place. And, but once you get into the house, the very first thing she's going to do is try and feed you. She's going to try and get something into your mouth. She's going to ask you, and, and what do you want to drink? What can I feed you? And then when you find, if you even say no, it doesn't matter. You have to eat something when you're at mom and dad's house. And if you give her the, uh, the request, and she will make it for you, and she will bring it for you. That's just mom's heart. And we tease mom all the time, but um, the good thing is, I believe mom, we call mom as a Martha with a merry heart. You know my mom, she's got a merry heart. So not a bad thing here. But I want us to just stop for a second. Why do you think that God included these two stories that I've alluded to today. On the surface, they seem kind of insignificant. But I believe the Holy Spirit intentionally had the writers pen these words. One of the things that we can pick out of this is to emphasize the importance of worship. Now, um, I haven't done an incredible in-depth study of this, so don't, you know, uh, uh, don't, you know, shoot darts at me or, you know, give me dirty looks. But one of the things that, I mean, I love the hymns of the church. I grew up on the hymns of the church, and they will always be a part of my life and, and always be a part of our worship. Our hymns do an incredible job at telling the gospel story. If you think about it, you just go through our hymn book, they do an incredible job at telling the gospel story. They tell the, uh, they tell the, uh, the Bible message and salvation, and, and it's just great theology. But I don't know how great the hymn book has been with just regular worship. I mean, you, you do worship, don't get me wrong, but that's where I really appreciate some of the newer songs of today because they're just pure worship. I think that's something that sometimes gets lost, of just glorifying the name of Christ, just basking in his presence, just singing his name, just, uh, just praising and worshiping God. That's why I love to have a balance in, in wherever I go and whatever I do. Worship. I, I said this two weeks ago, and I've got to say it again. I've got I to tell you, because I experienced it, and it happened. Whenever we had a doctor look at us and say, your mother-in-law has ovarian cancer, it forces you to do something, doesn't it? And to us, it forced us to get into his word. And it forced us to look at Deuteronomy 31.6. It forced us to look at Psalm 56.3 and 4. says, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. It's in God and in his word I will trust. And I will trust in God and I will not be afraid. Psalm 112.7, I will not fear bad news, but I will trust in the Lord my God. John 14.27 my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, but the peace that I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. 
See, we could just go on and on. And when Steph and I began and our family began to place our trust and our faith in the Word of God, you know what we began to do? Worship Him. It works. Worship Him. Worship, folks, so important in life. That's why Jesus said, Mary has chosen the better thing in life. Listen, in this second account, Mary is not merely listening to Jesus. She engages in an incredible act of worship. She anoints Jesus' feet with oil and wipes his feet with her hair. Here again, we see Mary doing the more important thing. Some of your translations in John 12 may say that. Doing the more important thing, the greater thing, as Jesus said. And I believe that Mary habitually had times when she just worshipped Jesus, when she daydreamed about him, when she thought about who he was, his righteousness and his holiness. I believe that she had times when she just sat in awe and wonder of who he was. She believed that he was God's son, that he was the Messiah, and that when she did this, any and all the stress in her life just melted away. Oh, just to sit at the feet of Jesus. And worship Him. Listen, I'm not talking... There, there is a, a number of people out there, and it almost sounds blasphemous. It, it could be to even say... It is blasphemous to say this. That some believe that Jesus uh, uh, got married in life. Or that maybe uh, him and Mary or Mary Magdalene had some romantic thing. No, that's not what this is talking about. The Word of God gives no indication of that. That is wrong. That is against the Word of God. What I'm talking about here is that I believe that Mary adored Jesus as Lord and Master of her soul. Mary's worship resulted in her giving her all to Jesus. Her heart, her emotions, her past, her present, her future, her time, her dreams, her wishes, her desires, her adoration and praise, her highest esteem and admiration, her adulation, her reverence, her total and complete devotion. Mary was all in. Mary was all in. We need to be all in as well. Mary lavished extravagant worship on Jesus. She took the role of a slave. Many of you know that in that day when you, went, when you entered into someone's home, if it was someone that was wealthy, they had a slave there to wash your feet for you. Your feet was oftentimes uh, very dirty, filthy. There were human waste that would just run in the streets, and Lord only knows what was on your feet when you walked into people's homes. And Mary took on the form of a slave and she washed Jesus' feet and not, not just with a towel, it's with her own hair. Took the form of a slave. She showed the extent of her worship, but not using typical water, but she used a costly ointment. It didn't say in my passages, but many of your passages say spikenard. Spikenard is a, um, it's a flowery plant that is grown in the Himalayas in China and in Nepal. 
It can be crushed and made into very fine and a fragrant perfume or oil. The thing about spikenard was, at the time, it was very expensive. And according to the scriptures, 300 denarii was worth, at that time, a whole year's wages. Now get that. A whole year's wages. Today, in today's economy, that would be thirty to $50,000 for this one vial, this one bottle, this one jar of perfume. And she busted the whole thing on Jesus. And when Mary did this, verse 3 tells us that the whole house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. I'll take it a step further and say that it was Mary's extravagant act of worship that filled the entire house with the sweet aroma. For you see, whenever you and I abandon ourselves totally and completely to just worship Jesus for who He is, our whole house, we talked about it within the last couple of weeks, our whole temple. Our entire life and those around us will be filled with the sweet smelling aroma of His presence. Doesn't it make you just want to live like Mary? How do we do that? Having a daily quiet time with Him? Can't, can't get by without that. Having a daily quiet time with him, taking walks or listening to praise and worship music in the car or in the house, turning the TV off and just putting the praise and worship music on, getting into God's word and letting his word get into you. Begin by shifting your mind. Need I go back and repeat some of the messages that I've been preaching recently, living lives of sacrifice? It begins in your mind. Do not be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed through the renewing of your mind. See, it comes back to the mind. And I said earlier, this is something we have to purposely, intentionally do in our life. It all starts with the mind. We need to stop majoring in the minor things. Start majoring in the major things. Look, I know that we're all busy. I'm not suggesting at all that we neglect our responsibilities. We have things that must get done. We have to go to the grocery store. We have to do the laundry. We have to do all those things. However, I am suggesting that we start being intentional in creating merry moments in our life. Times when we purposely set aside time and just worship him. To me, I've kind of alluded to this before, but I did some of this last night. I just, I just put on an old Billy Graham classic. There's just something to me about having an old Billy Graham crusade on the TV. It just, to me, it just fills the house with good stuff. To me, that's just one way of worshiping God. Now hear me out on this too, because this applies to all of us. Sometimes, sometimes we need to look at our hectic schedules and start making some hard decisions about what we can cut out. Amen? I didn't think I'd get too many amens on that. Perhaps we need to cut some things out of our lives. 
some things that we may think are important. Martha, Martha, there's many things you think are important, but Mary has chosen the better thing. Things in our lives, things that we may think are important, but in light of eternity are not nearly as important as we think they are. Do this in order to make time for the more important things, the better things. I end with this story. There's a Christian speaker and author named John Huffman. He was away from home on a missions trip for a number of weeks. And as you can imagine, he was dying to see his family again. But when his plane landed, he and the other passengers were detained in customs for over two hours, where his family was just mere yards away, and he couldn't wait to get to them. When he was finally allowed to go, he's made, he made his way into the airport, airport terminal, and his three-year-old girl saw him, and she took off after him, yelling at the top of her lungs, Daddy! Daddy, that's my daddy. John Huffman said she must have yelled that five, six, seven times in the airport. And he said he had never felt so loved in his entire life. Church, this is, this is what God feels like when we live life like Mary. Imagine how it makes him feel when we long and we desire and we purposely set time aside in our daily days, in our daily days, our daily times, to have times of Mary just sitting at his feet. When we take time away from the busy things in life and choose to make time for the God things in life, when we give him our praise, our adoration, when we worship him, God is blessed. Do you know that you can bless God as well? You have the ability to bless God. Whenever we do anything that pleases the heart of God, not only do we worship Him, we also bless the heart of God. Again, I know there are aspects of our lives that will mirror Martha. I get that. Let's not allow those times to define us. Let's make sure that we are carving out needed times of worship for Him. Not just 10 a.m. on Sunday morning. And that's been hard. That's been hard. Especially for us in our situation when you're at the hospital every day for two or three weeks in a row and but a lot of times what Stephanie, a lot of times what Steph and I will do is we will read the Bible in the car and we'll pray in the, in, the, in the car and we'll have our devotional time together in the car. Those are some of my favorite times. Find time to just sit at the feet of Jesus. I want us to end our time this morning by doing just that, just worshiping him a little bit. There's a song by Chris Tomlin that I just recently heard a couple of days ago, and I absolutely love it. I'm just going to have the guys play it for you in closing. And then I think the worship team is just going to do a closing song. Maybe this is the first time in a 
several days, you've had a, a time just to relax and sit at the feet of Jesus this morning. I want you to do that this morning.